anymore We're not gonna take it No, we ain't gonna take it We're not gonna take it anymore anymore a hundred and twenty million strong uh, welcome everyone to the tori says show i'm your host tori so it's been a while i've been traveling i can i can fill you in on some it's always awesome to travel with tori there's never not an exciting moment um but uh it's been last week like i said we needed some concrete boots only because you know we weren't available so we needed to slow things down enough for people to see i think it's for people to be able to see the clarity in the uh, constant fake news. And it's not, we're not talking about the mainstream media. We already know they're obsolete and they're playing catch up. Okay. We're not talking about them. We're talking about the invasion into our ears and our eyes that have been posturing as people who care about the nation. Now, I have to say, just like that undercover sting that Project Veritas did, they know everything starts as a grassroots movement with great intentions and then turns out to be all about interests, either their own or others. And that's fact. So it's actually very, very hard. And one might say, well, you know, of course they're going to have interest. They're pouring in the time. They're putting in the effort. Yes, yes, and yes. Boy, this takes a lot of my time. As I've said, even if I had 17 clones, it wouldn't be enough to be able to cover the things that I do in one day. And not physically, but it's like I'm in 100 places at the same time. So... It's just the most, I think, cathartic month. June is going to be a month that you're going to look back on and say, damn, I saw that shit come, but I got through it. I saw it coming, but I've got through it, right? It's so insane. So um, just to fill you in what I've been doing. So on the 18th in the evening, I flew out to North Dakota to surprise my daughter. So I couldn't fly into Minot. Um, so I flew into Fargo because I had to meet um, certain people in Fargo. One thing I can tell you is the hotel I chose to stay at that one evening was overrun by Chinese. They all had cars picking them up and taking them to the clinics. Uh, so I sat there and observed and <laughs> I mean, you know, I had some stuff to do in Fargo. Let's just put it that way. Um, um, I can't say much on all the stuff, but I did meet with a very dear friend, had a couple conversations right before I took that four to five hour drive all the way to Minot. Um, I could say the bugs there are massive. They're bison bugs. Uh, I had to 
I couldn't even take them off my windscreen. Okay. That's how big they are. <laughs> that's how big they are. Um, I could say that, uh, I, I, I had rented a car from the enterprise people that I rent from whatever you call them, the rental car place. And I went with the one, you know, that I, I'm now a platinum member. Cause you know, I was renting a car all that time cause I didn't have one. Um, so they gave me like this, um, QX 80 nice car, very roomy. I mean, someone could buy one of those cars and make bank on Uber black. Right. But I could tell you that it felt really weird, uh, getting behind the wheel of that. Cause it one, the car made noise Two, uh, <laughs> it added drive. Uh, so I took the cute car and kept going. Windshield was packed with bugs. It was fun. Um, but tiring, you get kind of cross-eyed when you're seeing the same thing constantly. I actually got a speeding ticket and I wasn't speeding. So I got a welcome wagon at some point in the sticks <laughs> and it was like, I had it on cruise control. So there was no way that I was going anywhere near over the limit. And what was hilarious is, um, when the state trooper guy, um, pulled us over, you know, here's how it went. I'm driving and I see police car lights in the rear view mirror. And I'm like, um, whoa, Oh crap. This is a very narrow road. You know, one going North, one going South. Um, I should pull over. Let me find somewhere because he needs to pass. He looked like he was in a hurry because he sped to come at us, you know? So then I was like, all right, Phoebe, move your, move your feet because she had her feet on the dash. Let me see. I was like, all right, let me pull over here. So as I'm pulling over, <laughs> he's pulling over and I'm like, shit, are we getting pulled over. So there we go again. Obviously the most hated uh, person in North Dakota by the swamp there. Uh, Cause I ruffled a lot of feathers, you know, I got their sheriffs arrested for drug trafficking Marshals arrested for kitty trafficking, the cartels. Oh, wait, the Mandan massacre, you guys. Oh, my gosh. This is getting so much hotter by the minute. You know, it was an open, closed case on that one. If you guys remember, they, apparently the narrative they gave the people, and this is how stupid some people are in North Dakota. Seriously, listen to the facts of what they said. They said this chiropractor went to a rental home place, which by the way, I know for a fact that it is a Sinaloa cartel hub for housing trafficking victims. Well, here's what happened. This chiropractor who's just a chiropractor, really nice guy goes in there, right? Shoots two people and guts two other people. The man was given a Colombian necktie. That doesn't happen in a few seconds, right? And then the woman was sliced, like gutted from neck to crotch vertically. Right. And all of these incidents happened in different rooms and areas of the building that were far away. So this guy walks in, shoots them, uh, guts the woman and she was hefty. So it's not like she was tiny. So you got to tie her to a chair. She's going to put up a struggle. All right. And then a dude also tied to a chair, got a Columbia necktie, which is where they slit your throat and pull your tongue out, you know, all of it as a, um, as a tie. 
So this all happens in Mandan, North Dakota. I coined it the Mandan Massacre. And um, they said he did all that. But get this. He did all that in under 12 fucking minutes. Oh, and he collected the bullets and he changed his clothes. Sure. So the Flash is jealous right now because they wanted people to believe that stuff. That some guy walks in, right? Colombian necktie, so badly, so so vigorously done that the head was ready to roll off. He was like shy of being decapitated. Woman gutted, live gutted, right? And two other people shot, all in different places. He collected all nine shell casings of what he shot, right? Changed his clothes in under 12 minutes. How many people can believe that someone can walk into a building, walk in, shoot two people, tie a really big chick into a chair, gut her from neck to crotch, and then take another guy, you know, to tie him up and give him a professional, you know, Columbia necktie and change his clothes and get out of there in under 12 minutes. This is how stupid people are. And I remember how much hate I got. And then I got called by their local BCI investigator guy. He was like, you seem to know details of the crime scene that nobody else knows. And I was like, so are you suggesting that I help do the head? in my pajamas from my house. I've got Google home and Alexa that say I was home. So I think you need to reevaluate what you're trying to say. Let's just say I can see almost everything. I am a fly. He didn't like that, but I did tell him, Hey, if I know it, you better as hell know that the federal agents know it. So I hope the FBI is popping in because the BCI of Wayne Stengem are not going to cover this shit up. That's exactly what I told them. True story. So everybody hated me. I got massive attacks from the Native American community because the sheriffs or it was the cop that was linked to first being on the crime scene and making all these claims was also a corrupt one that came from a town that had the Native Americans that would help buffer the trafficking of women. So it was like, whatever, bitches, whatever. Now I find out... (laughs) That just as I'm heading to North Dakota and I'm there, news comes out that the law firm that was representing this chiropractor that we should call the Flash, right? Um, He apparently had a law firm called the Vogel Law Firm represent him, right? And so this law firm, just so you guys know, the Vogel Law Firm actually was a law firm in 1999 that the Attorney General of North Dakota's second wife, went to when she caught the attorney general doing something to maybe a minor, maybe her minor and filed for divorce. Now what happened was that case was completely deleted. I mean, whatever. I know about it. I got the paperwork. And then the attorney general who was running for attorney general that all that case in Grand Forks disappeared and suddenly his divorce was being executed in Devil's Lakes, <laughs> whatever, no jurisdiction, but she never appeared for the divorce. He filed all the paperwork, became attorney general, and then get this, the Vogel law firm that was the law firm that initially represented his second wife, who got a nice payoff and a cushy job at UND uh, after that divorce, um, 
Well, they got retained as the attorney general's counsel. And so they work with the attorney general and the governor of North Dakota. So why would a swamp law firm, local law firm that picks up the slack, represent the guy that was supposed to take the fall for the cartel? Hmm. Pretty interesting. So now he, uh, that law firm dropped the guy and he wants to represent himself. This is going to get really, really interesting. And it's kind of shocking that nobody was talking about it anywhere on the media about this Mandan massacre and how they're trying to convince everyone that one man came in and under 12 minutes shot nine rounds, collected all the bullets, tied up a dude in one area of the building, gave him a Columbia necktie, then went to another side of the building, right? Farther away, tied up this round chick, sliced her from neck to crotch, you know, and then he <laughs> changed his clothes and walked out all in under 12 minutes. This is why I say some people are just stupid and most people just refuse to know the truth. So this guy is the flash. You should look it up. It happened two years ago. Now in 2019, it happened 2019 summer. So weird. And then get this, they searched this place and it smelled like bleach. And then they found all the rounds bleached out in a little baggie in a sock in his house. Shut up. Seriously. And they couldn't even find the way. Stop. And then here's the thing. He commits all this murder and then he goes, hangs out in a McDonald's parking lot. I mean, it was just so dumb. So dumb. It was the dumbest story. And it's so so sickening to see that a bunch of people that are supposedly smart, right? And great businessmen, farmers that are destroying their food so they can get handouts from Biden rather than selling the food because, you know, food shortage and all, uh, all these smart people, right? Believe that some human being by themselves can do all that shit in 12 minutes. I'm going to tell you what he did. He just went to find the bullets and clean shit up and he was told to do it. That's the way it is. So it makes me sick, you know, when I see people talking, stop, you're dumb. You believe everything the media tells you, everything. You just suck it up, open your mouth and just get that spoon stuck right in. It's disgusting. So, um, this guy was, was forced to do this. I, I think he had nothing to do with it. He probably maybe was selling some drugs to them or maybe getting drugs with them or maybe got a loan or something, or maybe he saw something he shouldn't. And they said, we're going to take out your family. Nobody knows. Right. Regardless, regardless. Um, it's, uh, it's just so sad to see that people are so dumb. People so stupid. Damn. Tom McDonald was way ahead on that one. Uh, <laughs> right. Cause this is stupid. You hear it and you're just like, wait a minute. How did a person under 12 minutes, it was 11 minutes and something seconds do all that shit. I'm sorry. Explain it to me. Why don't you do a test run, right? Where you shoot someone and, and get a deer instead of a human being, make sure it's alive while you slice it. Cause they were alive when they were sliced. Okay. And tell me how you could do all that shit in under 12 minutes. You can't. So, you know, I mean, it was really funny when I spoke with that agent. I was like, oh, well, I'm a fly on the wall. I'm a time traveler. Haven't you heard? And <laughs> he was just not happy. How would you know all this stuff? Yeah, because I'm the freaking news. Uh, this is history.
for me. Now, where do we start today? We have so much to talk about. Uh, you know, what was interesting is uh, whenever I got, well, let me go back to North Dakota. <laughs> but during my time there, I I was kind of like looking at messages on and off. I wanted to tune out because it was a, a really big thing for me and my family. Um, it was very stressful uh, for my girls more than anything. Um, you know, as parents, we just got to put our stuff aside, right? And um, uh, one thing is we surprised Tara at her birthday party. She couldn't, she couldn't even believe that we were there. Uh, so that was, that was fun. Um, I went and got her a ton of balloons and we had a nice dinner and she was surprised and she didn't expect it. So I was really, really happy um, that, you know, I got to be there for her 21st birthday um, and get to stay with my girls. And then Friday we went to the sentencing hearing. That was, um, that was really hard. That was really, really hard. Um, uh, not for, because we were upset that it happened. We were ecstatic. Justice was served. Um, but it's hard, you know, closure is really, really hard sometimes. And you just wait for it to be a light switch and it just goes. But, um, the sentence that was handed down was one of the heftiest sentenced sentences ever provided by that judge. <clears throat> that judge is actually known to be quite lenient, uh, with cases of that nature. And, um, the person got 45 years, um, with uh, 50 years parole after 35 served. So I guess the person isn't going to be getting out before the age of, you know, 70 somewhat. So, uh, no, 80, right? Oh, shoot. Yeah, well, 35 years, I guess, um, if they, you know, whatever. Uh, so that would be 70, 77. So that's, that's, that was, that was, that was a good thing. And it was closure, but on the other hand, you know, you expect things that, you know, when things happen and you get closure, you really don't, right? You really don't. So um, uh, it just, you know, the chapters close, but that's where it starts, right? So it, it was hard. It was uh, bittersweet. Um, there was a lot of stress. Uh, and so on the 21st, there was like, you know, it was like, there was no way I could, I, I couldn't function. Um, <clears throat> so, and it wasn't just so much for me. I've learned to compartmentalize feelings. I guess that's going to bite me in the ass later, but I'm not here for a long time. So if I can maneuver that for another seven years, there should be good. 2021 it's yeah. Seven years. So if I can maneuver that for seven years. It, um, it, um, it's all good now. Um, I'm moving along. So that was good. I also met with a bunch of North Dakota, uh, Patriots on Saturday night. And, um, one of them, well, a lot of them I've known, uh, for a while, you know, working on things. And I know that the state of North Dakota is going to start doing things because I've said that North Dakota is important and I've stressed that. Everything you see happening now, they have a say in it. 
the drones monitoring for temperature and putting people in policing places. North Dakota is the only state that pilots that. Senator Hoven is the one that owns most of the drones. That's why he kept pushing that smart border bullshit because he has shares in that. Uh, the shell company games that they have, which all have to do with oil rights and mineral rights. China, anybody? Hello? Again, Senator Hoven's in that. Doug Burgum is in that. The governor, who's best friends with Gates, who created the contact tracing app. And not only that, it's out of Fargo that they're getting all this shit that changes your DNA and the vaccine from Fargo. I mean, and remember, this is a governor that actually owns half the city of Fargo. And when I say owns it, I'm not saying he owns them like he's the Don. He literally owns the land. Okay? Um... So this is one of the most corrupt states and no one's talking about it. Another thing, one of the Patriots uh, brought up to me from uh, the North Dakota room uh, and it shocked me. And I was kind of, it was, I didn't drive there. So I had a cucumber martini. I was gone after one because obviously with my, you know, tumor on my liver, I don't process alcohol. So I'm the cheapest date out there. Okay. But uh, she had like this folder with all this paperwork. And I noticed that in the state of North Dakota, the counties don't select the machinery. The state does. And then I remembered, hey, wait a minute, that's really weird. So the counties have no say on the election machines or how they're processed or how they're counted. It's all the state. And then if you guys remember that doctored image of the SLC game, SLI gaming certificate that was edited by some dude, well, that dude that edited it from the metadata is actually head of the elections in freaking North Dakota. Now he left the EAC and he's working for them. So it's like, damn. So saw that, right? I saw that and I was like, that's really interesting. I thought that each county did their thing. And I was like, damn, right? What is that? Um, so, so that was one. And then the other one was they brought up how they're going to push actions over. And um, one of them, Brianna, brought to my attention that down in Dickinson, there was this guy that ran for chair and yada, yada, yada. Turns out he has something called, get this, Cerebrus, you know, the three-headed dog, cybersecurity, and linked to Black Rock, right? Linked to, you get what I'm saying. So when I tell you that North Dakota is the way you look at how things are going, uh, you know, when you have Cerebus, when you have the COVID track app, when you have the drones, when you have the COVID vaccines, uh, you know, components that are being created there, when you have Bill Gates all over the place, when you have China owning all the oil and, and, and the rights to the oil in leasing it. Again, I circle back, like Chucky says, to my comment that North Dakota is red, but it's freaking China red. So, that is something really, really important for people to understand. It, this is a state that has 700,000 residents and all about 650,000 of them are too stupid to see. And I, I, you know, people don't call people stupid. Yeah, I do. Because they refuse to look at the truth. See, it's different if you claim ignorance because you didn't see it, but these are people that see it and don't care. Okay. That's a big deal. They see it and they don't care. They just, well, I just want to get on with it. You're not going to have shit to get on with because they're going to take everything you own. They are going to enslave you. 
They're already paying your farmers to torch their food rather than sell it. That's the way it is. So willful ignorance only exists if you make a conscious decision to block out all conversations. You can't. You're out there trolling on Facebook with your Karen haircut every damn day. <laughs> By the way, the majority of them, I swear to God, there have the same hairdresser. But I'm going to stop because, you know, I get really salty about things like this because I tried to help that state without my name being out there. And the minute I was unmasked, intentionally, non-intentionally, nobody knows, you know, by the Army Corps engineers, they came up me like nobody's business. Like nobody's business. So, and it wasn't just the politicians. They were already writing my job. They were like, this is crazy. She got our sheriff. She got our marshals. She got this. She got that. She got this. Who is this person? We need to stop them. That's it. They had. So, you know, I'm a little bit salty about the people there. It's not everybody's fault. I can't bucket them, but I still get salty and I get very upset. Okay. And I, sh and I can't because I can't, because all I did was try to help. And all, you know, all these Karens come out and, you know, losers that are CIs, criminal informants were actually creating organizations. And not only that, they weaponized a tragedy that happened to my family that affect my kids to attack me purposely. And they're being sued now that the case is over. How to wait. I'm going to sue the shit out of the state. Because when they do that at the expense of a victim, damn, damn. So, yeah, I mean, how many times does a U.S. state's attorney and, you know, a whole damn organized, supposedly professional, you know, release names of victims, unredacted confessions. Nobody does that shit, but they did it in my case and that's messed up. And they think that they're going to get away with it. I mean, they were so stupid. They were like, Hey, do you want to ask for like, um, you know, what is it called? Uh, restitution. We can ask for that during the court. And I'm like, I had it in draft. I wrote four drafts in response. You fucking cow. You're going to send me an email the day before the sentencing to ask me if I want to ask for restitution. When all this time you've done absolutely fuck all. And you won't even talk to me because you know, I already put an attorney through him in front because I'm going to sue the crap out of your state. But, you know, obviously I learned from the Supreme Court to sue them. I have to tell the Office of Management and Budget first. The Office of Management and Budget is going to say, we're suing you for $1 trillion. Now that's an astronomical amount, but, you know, whatever. How are you going to put the genie back in the bottle when it's already out there and you've destroyed the lives of people? So I drafted it. It's all in my draft. Really nasty ones. I didn't send it because I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> you know? just going to leave. It. So I just like vented writing drafts. That's what I do when I get really upset. Uh, so that's going to be something that I'm going to work on, uh, very soon. Um, because it was, it was really bad. I mean, it's one thing, you know, you put it in, but I'll do that whole, you know, what was it? Um, was it from Austin powers where Mr. Evil goes $1 million. I'll probably send them a video. $1 trillion bitches. Anyway, I'm really salty when I talk about that state. It gets the best of me only because, you know, they were just really nasty. Um, and they utilize that to um, push. And if they think I'm joking and I'm not going to get it, I'm going to find the best state to file that shit in to hang them out to dry.
And it's got to be super liberal too. Because the liberals won't put up with stuff like this. I'm going to find the most liberal court. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I could do, well, I can't do Southern district of New York. That's super corrupt. I mean, they're everywhere in Hunter Biden's emails. So we'll find one and we're going to file it. So, you know, nobody has any idea how it was these people are nasty and it makes me really nasty when I talk about it. So that's North Dakota, but also talking about the Chinese there, you know, I did a little bit of stuff there. And speaking of my travel there, I did get a message from someone and I have done a show on this before. So I'm going to reintroduce because I know a lot of you people probably haven't gotten back to seeing things, but I'm going to reintroduce you to this great concept that Google's doing to help impoverished areas in Africa and South America to help provide communications. Google's Project Loon wants to get the whole world online via balloon. Sound crazy? Well, here's how they plan to make it happen. Google sees a future where Wi-Fi is provided to all through a fleet of intelligent balloons, and it's already in the works. How did the aptly named Project Loon get started? Well, with one ambitious idea, Wi-Fi for the whole world, and some inspiration from a whiteboard. I happened to walk by this whiteboard in the hallway that had a balloon drawn on it and it said wi-fi for the world i went over to rich's desk and pointed at the drawing and said so you know that's crazy right and he basically said well prove it the project originated in google's x lab an experimental division of google that was once rumored to be designing a space elevator but google has since denied that internet balloons though are already being tested in places like rural new zealand where some residents like this guy have been unable to get reliable internet We've gone through a number of different internet providers to try and get reliable internet. It was so slow that we had to click on a page and um, go and find something to do for 10 minutes. The balloons are positioned at a very, very high altitude, higher than airplanes fly even, at about 20 kilometers above the Earth. But how do they stop the balloons from, you know, acting like balloons and floating away never to be seen again? Well, being Google balloons, they're also very smart and can access publicly available weather data to ensure that they're evenly spaced out. The balloons can know to adjust their altitude to catch or avoid certain currents accordingly, and it's so high of the Earth, wind patterns are predictable enough where this could be possible. So in theory, the denizens below would never have to wait for a balloon to float on by to get Wi-Fi. If one floats onward, there's another right there to pick up the slack. Project Loon is also not without skeptics. Bill Gates, whose foundation works to improve healthcare globally, implied in an interview with Bloomberg that in many corners of the world, there are more immediate concerns than high-speed internet. However, if you happen to live in New Zealand and are interested in learning more about the pilot program, you can register your interest at google.com slash loon. What do you think? Is Project Loon awesome far-fetched or a little too skynet for your tastes so this has been going on for a while now let me tell you about project loon again this is how you can sequester communication so i got a text from a listener on telegram and you know the only way that i can see people's texts that aren't in groups that i monitor anyway is if you're texting and you come up to the top those of you that use telegram know what i'm talking about right you have to be at the top because you can only pin like five things so, I mean, I have a lot of different groups and sections with people that I interact all the time, you know, diggers and, you know, people. But uh, so I was talking about how Google balloons were down in South America, how they're in Central America, but they started in Africa, right, to give it to the Africans. But what was really weird is, is that I got this message and I was like, dang, someone's super woke. 
Uh, the listener sent me and was like, you know, Project 518 is coming your way. And I was like, hmm, uh, that's interesting. It's headed to my not North Dakota. I was like, of course, <laughs> why not? But the question is, what's going to go on in my not North Dakota, right? So um, I'm going to share this with you. Uh, when the person sent it to me, I in immediately employed counterpart. And I said, can you check this out? Uh, it's going by South Dakota right now. Watch it make a hook turn to Standing Rock, right? Because we're expecting that, aren't we, guys? Standing Rock. So lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. It seemed to curve. It went and parked itself over Standing Rock Reservation, the Dakota Axe Pipeline thing, right? And then it's going to float all the way to Minot now. So it actually took a hook turn right? So it adjusted altitude so you can go and hang out on top of it. Now, here's the cool thing. If you actually go to this link that I'm going to send you, now it's gone. It's like they know where we hide things. It seems like they're monitoring our communications, but to, unfortunately for them, nothing can stop what's coming. So I told you that they're going to be doing a few fancy things. If you click on this link that I've just shared in the chat box, you'll see that it no longer exists, but that's okay. We got some of that archived, so that's what's up. And to remind you of what will happen uh, and to show you what will happen, I will share with you their Facebook page because you need to see this. Um, so here we are on their page, right? Um, they are going to be having a gathering. Now, apparently, due to the heavy surveillance of northern Minnesota, you mean Fort Schnelling, uh, we will announce exact locations closer to the event. We have a central location for us to gather, and we'll also have locations for camping. So this is their website. Look at the dates. Dang, right? Dang. Let's see the comments. I would love to come back and be in a shared space with you all again during this event. I'm so looking forward to being in a shared space. So as we make arrangements, which airport is best to fly into, Fargo or Duluth? Fargo. <laughs> Funny thing about Fargo. So obviously I've moved from state. So I wanted to bring some stuff with me and a lot of people will be like, are you nuts? Okay. Check this out. And I was actually thinking of calling uh, someone at, air, at the airport to make this complaint. But when you go on an airplane, you're able to transport firearms. You know that, right? Uh, you don't have to have a conceal and carry, right? Uh, it has to be your weapon. So when I went to Fargo Airport, I had bought a case from the firearm store um, and TSA locks, and I, and I brought my pistol with me. And so when you go to the airport, you declare it at the counter, checking it in as, um, you know, uh, a firearm. I opened it up at the, at the ticketing desk. They checked my magazines that were in there, empty, no bullets. My gun uh, was cocked back so they could see that there were no bullets. And then I locked it, right? And so, you know, they're like, all right, well, it's locked. And they were like, you know, you know, you have two free suitcases, just stick it in your suitcase, but you have to make sure that this card is on top. And it was a card that I signed that it was like firearms, whatever, whatever. Right. So I put it in the suitcase and I put
that card on top. And I was like, um, do you have like tape so I could tape it on the box? Cause when I, when the suitcase gets moved around that, that card's going to leave. And he's like, no, when they scan the back of the, the bags and they see the weapon, the card will show it's a specific card and it'll show that they've already, you know, um, it's already been inspected and that that weapon is free and clear, you know, and that it's not loaded and stuff like that. And I was like, all right. So I put it in the suitcase and they're like, but because it's a firearm, you're going to have to pick it up at the office when you get to Cleveland. And I was like, great. So we fly through Chicago. So the suitcase went through Chicago. We land in the evening in Cleveland. Um, so my day yesterday was get up at seven, drive five hours, eat something, go to the airport and start flying around. So as I get to the airport in Cleveland, I go the wrong way. Phoebe goes to baggage claim and it's apparently the baggage service office for American was like there. So as I go there, I'm like, all right, um, the guy's not there. The room's locked, probably going to get the suitcases. And lo and behold, the suitcases start coming out on the damn conveyor belt. What do I see there? My freaking suitcase with the weapon in it on the damn conveyor belt. It's not supposed to be there, right? It's not supposed to be there. That's scary. Now, maybe it's because it's me, maybe whatever, right? Um, but it was right there. Like, you know, Phoebe was like, mom, is that the suitcase? And I was like, holy crap, it's on the conveyor belt. And obviously the gun was in there, but the, the thing is, it's like, it shouldn't be because I should show my identification and take my bag because you need to keep it secure. It's not, do you see what I'm saying? That's crazy. That's scary, crazy. So I was thinking of calling and complaining, but you know, whatever, there's nothing, you know, <laughs> there's nothing unexciting when you travel with me. Right. So here we are, you know, this, this weapon is coming through on the conveyor belt and I take it. And the first thing I do is going to the family bathroom, you know, the big ones with the changing that have like little toilets, big toilets. So I can open it up and check that it's there, that it's the right one and everything. And it was fine. So I was like, could it be that, you know, the, the, the baggage people just totally missed the whole, you know, stick the, the little tag, the big ass tag that said BSO office, which means you need to take it to the office and the person has to come with their ID to get the bag. They don't know what's in there. It could be whatever, right? Uh, you just have to show your ID. And so that's crazy because suitcases are often stolen right? And, and that's a problem because if legit citizens that have the right to carry that have these, you know, you know, what if, right? That's a big problem. So, um, you know, for me, that's a security thing. Cause what if it was some, you know, crazy person that was like arranging for someone else to pick it up or something that's really bad. Okay. Um, I mean, no harm done. I didn't have to go through the hassle of waiting there and him checking my ID and doing all this stuff. Um, but still, I'm just saying it makes it really, really easy to move weapons around if at least the process isn't on it. It should be honored, right? It should be correct. We're all responsible gun owners. We should know this. You go, you show them, this is my gun. It's unloaded. You put it in there. You follow the procedure and then you go and pick it up because the concern is, what if it was lost somewhere? What if, what if 
I decided I wanted to go have a cigarette while the bag is like going around and around and some other dude takes my bag, then they have my gun and commit a crime. I'm in trouble for it. Right. So, so that's the, that's the, um, that's the, the problem for me is that we just need to have the ability to track these things. They talk about stupid shit like red flag laws and stuff, but we can't handle soup, simple suitcase laws. So that's a really big problem. Um, you know, I was thinking that maybe later I can call Cleveland airport and tell them, you know, this happened. Uh, you know, maybe you guys should reprimand whoever was doing the baggage that day. Cause this is a problem. Maybe you need to beef that up because then they will be able to take away our right to travel with these things. Right. Because then if one thing happens, they'll be like, yeah, so sorry, you can't, you know, transport your crossbow, which I totally want a crossbow, like so bad. Um, so you can't transport your crossbow or your pistol or your sexy St. AR-15 by plane because the TSA losers that we have can't see freaking tags. So therefore, we're going to make it super difficult for you to be able to transport your things. That's a problem. Okay. That's a really big problem. So I just wanted to say that was the adventure. So now let's kick off with news. So you saw the stuff about the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, you saw that the balloon actually went there. Now I'm going to remind you something. I did a whole big show about this, about Diane Feinstein. Do you guys remember? Uh, well, you could probably look it up, but... There was a time where Diane Feinstein became mayor. Do you guys remember that? And I talked about it, how, you know, she knew about the murder. Like, she was all in on this, okay? She knew all this shit. But what happened was, that's when we had Jimmy Carter's summer. Do you guys remember what happened? Um, I want you guys to take a listen to um, this because it, it's very pertinent because we're heading into it. Um, I did a whole show about her, how um, she became mayor on blood. She knew about the murder and she lied. She lied on the stand. Everybody lied. And I, you know, she's a Chinese agent, but Harvey Milk was the first gay um you know, politician. It was a whole debacle. I, um, I suggest that any of you that haven't heard that episode about Diane Feinstein and who she really is and how she came to be that you do, because it's quite important. I think it was like in 2019 that I did that one. Um, yeah, 2019, I think. Uh, but I even, archived the documentary where the secretary at the time was walking people through the mayor, the city hall office in San Fran. And she disproved everything that Diane Feinstein says. She's a really, really vicious person. And the death of Harvey Milk sparked what they called the white night riots. Right. And so I want you guys to visit that because we're going to be seeing a lot of that this summer, including the Dakota Access Pipeline riots, we're going to have, you know, pride riots now. And it's it's quite fascinating. So I want you guys to just um, listen. Those of you that are watching, you can watch it. Um, this is a an 11-minute clip from uh, the, uh, what is it, from the uh, Columbia College in Chicago. 
talking about it. It's a documentary. And it, this is an 11-minute clip. I want you guys to listen to this. May 21st, 1979. The air is tense in the city of San Francisco. A crowd of around 500 people are gathered on Castro Street. Activist Clive Jones has just received word on the sentencing of one Daniel James White, the man solely responsible for the assassination of Mayor George Moscone and America's first openly gay politician, Harvey Bernard Milk. Jones takes to the stage, bullhorn in hand, he addresses the audience. Today, Dan White was essentially patted on the back. He was convicted of manslaughter, what you get for a hit and run. We all know this violence has touched all of us. It was not manslaughter. I was there that day at City Hall, and I saw the violence that was dead. It was not manslaughter. It was murder. The crowd is stunned. Disappointment rapidly turns to confusion and denial. Within a split second, the quiet tenseness quickly evolves itself into a collective rage. Proceeds after that is perhaps one of the most violent reactions within the gay community that the world will have ever seen. This is the White Knight Riots. On November 27, 1978, recently resigned supervisor Dan White enters City Hall through a window and heads upstairs to the office of Mayor George Moscone. Okay, so I want you guys to know, preceding this, at that time, right, um, when they said he entered and did all these things, um, I'll restart it to where it says, right a couple of days before that happened, do you guys remember the Jones group? where, um, again, Jones, right? Where they had like this cult of followers in some remote village. Well, just a couple days before that, they all killed themselves. But while they did it, they took out congressmen and everything. And it was just like, I, I really urge you to listen to those episodes that I put together with, um, with Jones, with the Jones group. Uh, it's really, really important that you look at that group suicide, look at the congressman. I went through the whole thing. I told you years ago, only because you're going, you would be able to see, um, how this moves forward. And this new Jim Jones type, <laughs> this new Jones group, right? Daniel J. Jones. So this new group, right, again, they're not very creative with names, right, are they, is in fact just the liberals, BLM, Sunrise Movement, Antifa. All these affinity groups are the same thing, right? They're all Kool-Aid drinkers. If they're told to go out and like slit their wrists and mass protest, guarantee they probably would. If they tell you that they need to jump off a building to make their point, you're going to see a lot of them jumping off buildings. This is how deranged they are. So I want you to um, 
look at how not creative they are with names. Remember Daniel J. Jones? <laughs> so weird. Daniel J. Jones um, was Feinstein's right-hand person when they were supposedly uncovering, you know, all these things about torturing people in the CIA. I mean, I did whole shows on that too. If any of you have time, I urge you to listen to the Feinstein and the Daniel J. Jones shows because it's really, really, really important, okay? Really important because you're going to understand where they're going with this this summer and how they're going to push Vax passports too about this. November 27th, 1978. Recently resigned supervisor Dan White enters City Hall through a window and heads upstairs to the office of Mayor George Moscone. He's carrying a loaded gun. It's a lie. Entering the story Australia doesn't make sense. White requests that he be reappointed as supervisor. Moscone refuses. White takes out his gun and fires five shots at point blank range. The final shot is administered in an execution style killing Moscone instantly. White reloads his gun and proceeds down the corridor to the office of Harvey Milk. As Harvey rises from behind his desk to greet him, White unloads his gun on Harvey, firing three shots at him to the body and two bullets to the back of the head, point-blank range. At 10.55 a.m., Harvey Milk is dead. It's my duty to make this announcement both Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk have been shot and killed. The the suspect is Supervisor Dan White. Following the assassinations. White makes his way to the San Francisco Police Department, where he himself once used to serve as a police officer. He turns himself in amongst his ex-colleagues and confesses. I'm a good supervisor and, and the people didn't want me and, and then that was it. Then I, I just shot him. And then it struck me about what Harvey had tried to do. And I said, well, I go talk to him. I said, you know, at least maybe he'd be honest with me. And he was all smiles and stuff. And I went in. He knew I wasn't going to be the funniest. And uh, he just kind of smirked at me. As if to say, too bad. And then, and then I just got all flushed and, and hot. And I shot him. White is charged with two counts of murder and is held without bail. On May 1st of 1979, the trial of Dan White opens. Prosecutors are eager to push for a finding of first-degree murder. At the time, the state of California had recently adopted a capital punishment law entitled Proposition 7. And had the prosecutors succeeded, Dan White would have likely received the death penalty. However, on May 21st, 1979, after a total of 11 days in court, White is only found guilty of voluntary manslaughter. White's defense team had somehow managed to convince the jury that he was unable to premeditate the killings, 
as he was in a state of diminished capacity due to depression. A psychiatrist stated that the copious amount of junk food that White consumed was a symptom of his mental state. This later came to be known as the Twinkie Defense. Think, who's one of the leading politicians that the left and the right like running? If there was one target, who would that be? Who would they make their George Floyd for pride? Think about it. Nope, not for now. They could get all the Kardashians on board, right? So for those listening, we're watching the riots happen, the burn, the breaking of building and the cops. By the end of the night, a total of 61 officers were severely wounded and around 100 protesters were hospitalized after the event. In retaliation, a group of police officers organized later that night and proceeded to raid a gay bar in the Castro district. Patrons were beaten, and by the end of the raid, a total number of two dozen arrests were made. The following day, the total damage to the city was estimated to be worth around $900,000. On the morning after the riots, May 22nd, of 1979. Screams of horror are contradictingly replaced with cries of joy. All around the city, people gathered and sang. Happy birthday, Harvey Milk. The impact of the White Knight riots brought about new changes to the legal system in California. No longer were city supervisors to be elected, though that would later change during the late 1990s. There's Feinstein, you see her? And diminished capacity was also abolished as a defense against any charge. To all of Castro, Harvey was seen as a martyr. Despite that fact, though, Harvey's death would unfortunately bring more of a halt to the gay rights movement rather than a push. The sole reason? No one ever since would have had the same amount of drive, wit, or tenacity that Harvey Milk had always possessed. So as you see, Diane Feinstein built her career on blood. Now, the Carters apparently now are little people. <laughs> that was like so bootleg. And people are trying to excuse how someone didn't shrink like three feet. Stop it. Stop. But it's important we revisit a speech 
that Carter did because of that. Because you're going to see an identical one come out soon. And it's going to be quite interesting. I don't know. I mean, I it was before my time. But, I mean, that's relative anyway. Before my time now? Is that the way I say it? I don't know. Take a listen to Jimmy Carter's crisis of confidence speech. Confidence in the government, confidence in the media. Now, for those of you on Telegram, I posted on uh, the chat where you can go on iHeartRadio. You should find episodes from the 2nd of January, 2020, the 25th of May, 2020, and June 3rd, 2020. And I think the Feinstein China Diaries... Um, that I, um, they're on my main YouTube channel, the one that has like 75,000 followers. Um, you'll find those videos there. So let's take a listen to the Oompa Loompa. <laughs> shouldn't say that. Ah, it was the most weirdest picture ever, right? Anyway, here we go. Good evening. This is a special night for me. Exactly three years ago, on July 15th, 1976, I accepted the nomination of my party to run for President of the United States. I promised you uh, subjects of the speech talks and the press conferences have become increasingly narrow, focused more and more on what the isolated world of Washington thinks is important. Gradually, you've heard more and more about what the government thinks, or what the government should be doing, and less and less about our nation's hopes, our dreams, and our vision of the future. Ten days ago, I had planned to speak to you again about a very important subject, energy. For the fifth time, I would have described the urgency of the problem and laid out a series of legislative recommendations to the Congress. But as I was preparing to speak, I began to ask myself the same question that I now know has been troubling together as a nation to resolve our serious energy problem. It's clear that the true problems of our nation are much deeper, deeper than gasoline lines or energy shortages, deeper even than inflation or recession. And I realize more than ever that as president, I need your help. So I decided to reach out and to listen to the voices of America. I invited the Camp David people from almost every segment of our society business and labor, teachers and preachers, governors, mayors, and private citizens. And then I left Camp David to listen to other Americans, men and women like you. It has been an extraordinary 10 days. And I want to share with you what I've heard. First of all, I got a lot of personal advice. Let me quote a few of the typical comments that I wrote down. This is from a Southern governor. Mr. President, 
You're not leading this nation. You're just managing government. You don't see the people enough anymore. Some of your cabinet members don't seem loyal. There is not enough discipline among your disciples. Don't talk to us about politics or the mechanics of government, but about an understanding of our common good. Mr. President, we're in trouble. Talk to us about blood and sweat and tears. If you need, Mr. President, we will follow. Many people talk about themselves and about the condition of our nation. This is from a young woman in Pennsylvania. I feel so far from government. I feel like ordinary people are excluded from political power. And this is from a young Chicano. Some of us have suffered from recession all our lives. Did he say Chicano? <laughs> Sorry. But others haven't had anything to waste. And just from religious leader, no material shortage can touch the important things like God's love for us or our love for one another. And I like this one particularly from a black woman who happens to be the mayor of a small Mississippi town. The big shots are not the only ones who are important. Remember, you can't sell anything on Wall Street unless someone digs it up somewhere else first the volume is really low by the video sorry guys a lot of other statements mr president we are confronted with a moral and a spiritual crisis some of our discussions were on energy and i have a notebook full of comments and advice i'll read just a few we can't go on consuming 30 percent more energy and we produce. When we import oil, we're also importing inflation plus unemployment. We've got to use what we have. The Middle East has only 5% of the world's energy, but the United States has 24%. And this is one of the most vivid statements. Our neck is stretched over the fence and OPEC has a knife. There will be other cartels and other shortages. American wisdom and courage right now can set a path to follow in the future. This is a good one. Be bold, Mr. President. We may make mistakes, but we are ready to experiment. And this one from the labor leader got to the heart of it. The real issue is freedom. We must deal with the energy problem on a war footing. And the last of all, read. When we enter a moral equivalent of war, Mr. President, don't issue us BB guns. 
these ten days, confirmed my belief in the decency and the strength and the wisdom of the American people. But it also bore out some of my long-standing concerns about our nation's underlying problems. I know, of course, being president, that government action and legislation can be very important. That's why I've worked hard to put my campaign promises into law. And I have to admit, that there's mixed success. But after listening to the American people, I have been reminded again that all the legislation in the world can't fix what's wrong with America. So I want to speak to you first tonight about a subject even more serious than energy or inflation. I want to talk to you right now about a fundamental threat to American democracy. I do not mean our political and civil Here we go. They will endure. And I do not refer to the outward strength of America, a nation that is at peace tonight everywhere in the world with unmatched economic power and military might. The threat is really invisible in ordinary ways. It is a crisis of confidence. It is a crisis that strikes at the very heart and soul and spirit of our national will. We can see this crisis in the growing doubt about the meaning of our own lives and in the loss of a unity of purpose for our nation. The erosion of our confidence in the future is threatening to destroy the social and the political fabric of America. Let me pause that. Where have we heard that before? Do you see how they just rinse and repeat? Where have you heard the social fabric of America? Should we start listing all the names or should we just talk about the key names that were saying that? Do you guys remember that phrase? Hmm? Do you remember who said that? Hmm? Wasn't Comey that said it, Obama that said it, Hillary Clinton that said it, Kamala Harris that said it, CNN that said it, Joe Biden that said it, almost everybody and their mother that said it, and do you know who else said it? Pence. So let's listen to that phrase once again. The confidence is eroding. And in the loss of a unity of purpose for our nation. The erosion of our confidence in the future is threatening to destroy the social and the political fabric of America. Social and political. Whoa. So that goes hand in hand. Kind of seems that when people point out history, people realize just how much BS this is. Right? So here we are at that point where they're repeating the same thing. Wait, it gets better. The confidence that we have always had as a people is not simply some romantic dream or a proverb in a dusty book that we read just on the 4th of July. It is the idea which founded our nation and has guided our development as a people. Confidence in the future. I support everything else. Public institutions and private enterprises our own families, and the very Constitution of the United States. Confidence has defined our course. 
and it has served as a link between generations. We've always believed in something called progress. We've always had faith that the days of our children would be better than our own. Our people are losing that faith. Not only in government itself, but in the ability as citizens to serve as the ultimate rulers and shapers of our democracy. As a people, we know our past and we are proud of it. Our progress has been part of the living history of America, even the world. We always believed that we were part of a great movement of humanity itself called democracy, involved in the search for freedom. And that belief has always strengthened us in our purpose. But just as we're losing our confidence in the future, we're also beginning to close the door on our past. In a nation that was proud of hard work, strong families, close-knit communities, and our faith in God, too many of us now tend to worship self-indulgence and consumption Human identity is no longer defined by what one does, but by what one owns. And so began the eco wars. And see, when all these riots happened, right? And there's there's more of this speech for any of you that want to archive this before they delete it because it seems any any video that I play, uh, they kind of delete it afterwards. You're gonna see that they use the same speech: energy crisis, no faith in our media, nothing. You're so bad. You're so bad. Well, <laughs> can't believe I'm saying this, but we're gonna share a little bit of CNN today. I want you guys to look at the China apologies. Well, and you're gonna say why? Well, I want you to look at the news the way they are. A lot of you like, I can't stand to watch this. We have to, because that's willful ignorance by saying you're not gonna pay attention to what they say because with eyes that you can see, right? Things are a lot more clear. Now, I'll switch over to that in just a second, but I want you to remember the 70s is where the hippies came out. They created wars out in Asia, right? They then had all this Iran stuff going on with the nuclear deals in Argentina and all that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. And not only that, right? But then in the late 70s, they dumped, well, in the beginning of the 80s, a ton of drugs, right? We had the whole Mina Mina Arkansas thing hit. And that was to get people so high, they can't see straight. They got people into creating, uh, you know, being that gay was a lifestyle, not a choice of, hey, I just kind of like dudes or I kind of like chicks more, you know? And that's, and that's your thing. I mean, women are freaking gorgeous. So are men. So why not? If, you, if that toots your horn, do it. It's your life. But they made it seem like it was, you know, 
a lifestyle, a cool lifestyle. You know, we had wham. How did no one guess that they were all gay with the booty shorts and touching each other? I'm just saying, like, if you watch wham videos, it's like, oh, I was so devastated to see that George Michael was gay. It's like, have you not watched a wham video? Like, stop, stop. Okay. But they dumped a bunch of drugs. They brought AIDS. And it was in mid-70s that they introduced the, fir the first swine flu virus um, where they were giving vaccines. And I had shown that video from 1975 where there were serious injuries from that vaccine. So um, now I want to share with you today's news from CNN. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying it. Because um, it, was, it was quite fascinating to watch. Hold on. Where is it? Um, give me a second. Let me see. There it is. It was interesting how now they're talking about COVID in a different way. I'm just going to wait a second because my, um, my stream is being throttled and I'm unable to, to move it along easily. Just give me a second while it boots up, um, without me losing my connection to you. Um, cause I can't even see the things on the screen. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Give me a second. Let's see if I could get it going. That one. All right. Okay, here we go. Watch this. It's heading in the right direction. Just in time for Memorial Day weekend and the unofficial kickoff to summer. New cases down 56% in the last month, their lowest level since last June. Deaths down 23% in the last four weeks. That is the lowest they've been since last July. Hospitalizations also down nearly 30% over the last month. And on the vaccine front, the U.S. is hitting a new milestone. Nearly half of the entire population has now received at least one dose. Nearly 40% of Americans are fully vaccinated. But the numbers of vaccine doses administered each day has fallen from more than 3 million at that high point a month ago, really, to about 1.8 million right now. But overall, these trends show that we are reaching the long-sought hope on the horizon that always felt just a little bit out of reach, but really it does not feel that way anymore. This weekend, we also saw evidence of that. Crowds back in arenas, including here in New York City, where 15,000 fans were in Madison Square Garden to watch the Knicks playoff game. Just hearing the roar of a crowd now is like a startlingly amazing sensation. This great news comes as a U.S. intelligence report is sure to fuel f further debate right now over the origins of the coronavirus. The report finds several scientists at a lab in Wuhan, China, were hospitalized with an unknown illness in November of 2019. That is a month before China reported its first cases. Oh, okay, so I'm here to give you some other stuff. So I, I kind of talked about it, but... I'm going to bring this up. I talked about it, mentioned it, because I didn't want people. It was way too early because, again, some people can't sleep when they realize. Uh, first of all, it was um, devastating right now to hear that almost half our population is being vaccinated. Um, but do you guys remember? Let me see if I can find it, actually. Let's see. Um, it actually started in North Dakota. 
damn, I'm trying to find it. Um, come on, uh, Fargo. Uh, so funny because they're the ones that are making the component for the vaccines too, which is so weird. I think I'm going to find, um, okay. This is from 2019, but it was actually on 2018. They targeted the children. Um, this is from September of 2019, which kind of coincides with, the Chinese talking about this. But do you guys remember back in 2018 in April, June, June, it was June, right? Um, is where Jeff Sessions came up to North Dakota after I sent him some stuff. Anyway, they were talking about drug busts. I'm sorry, this is like really delaying my things frozen and I'm getting really irritated. Um, they came because of this these things that were coming in from China, which were uh, drugs, obviously, and um, vapes. Do you remember when they banned vapes in 2019 because they were affecting uh, teenagers? Do you guys remember the vaping lung disease? Um, gosh darn it. Come on, work for me. All right. This is a two-minute clip that I want to put together, but it's just really slow. But... In September of 2019, the CDC was monitoring cases, and a lot of them were in North Dakota, believe it or not, where teenagers were being hospitalized for vaping. They got a lung disease that was very similar to what COVID does. It, you know, some of them, I mean, all of them have permanent damage, just like they say you do from COVID, but um, they had to actually have lung cancer. Uh, lung cancer, lung, tra lung transplant, sorry. And they were making the similes to that of lung cancer. Okay, we're just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna sit back and relax and just listen to it since, um, you know, my thing's not working and I can't share the video. But let me, let me play the audio for it. Here we go. Well, in Health Watch, a chemical found in marijuana vaping products may be to blame for several lung illnesses. That's according to the FDA. The chemical in question is an oil derived from vitamin E. The CDC is looking into more than 450 cases of illnesses potentially linked to vaping, and at least two people have died. Dean Reynolds shows us one Illinois teen's near death experience. I'm 18 years old. My lungs are like a 70-year-old's. Adam Hergenrader of Gurney, Illinois, has been hospitalized since last week. He says he vaped with THC, the primary ingredient of marijuana. How do you get that, uh, you know, the it, THC? Basically off the streets, I guess, off like a drug dealer. You're buying it off the street from some guy that you don't really know. In retrospect, do you think that was kind of dumb? Yeah. When, when you're addicted like that, I don't think that goes through your mind. <laughs> Soon after, Adam became feverish, started vomiting, and was gasping for breath. His mother, Polly, drove him to the hospital where he went straight to intensive care. It's probably every parent's nightmare, and we couldn't make Adam better. Did you ever think that your son might die? Yes, he because we were told he would have. Adam told us he'd been vaping for about two years to get the buzz from nicotine and then the high from marijuana. Can you 
get a deep breath? I can, but most of the time it ends up in a cough. Do you regret this? Of course, yeah. My lungs will never be the same. This is what your x-ray looked like. Adam's pulmonologist, Dr. Stephen Amesbury, worries that the current crisis may be only the beginning. Do you have any doubt in your mind that vaping is responsible for this? There doesn't seem to be anything else turning up in these cases. We look for the other, th other potential causes, but we haven't been able to find anything else. And coincidentally, all these people have been vaping. Contaminants and counterfeit vaping products like those used by Adam are of interest to health officials investigating these illnesses. And while the possible link to vitamin E oil is important, the FDA says it's vital to continue testing to get at what's causing these people to get sick. Dean Reynolds, CBS News, Libertyville. So I just wanted to say there was a girl who vaped, not THC, regular vape, at a party, and she got really sick. She thought she had the flu, she had this, and she ended up having the same problem. This was in 2019 in the fall. So it was a trend among teenagers that were getting vapes and all this stuff. Now, uh, 10 years ago when vapes came out, I had decided that I was going to quit smoking and do that. But then when I was doing some stuff in the lab, this is like we're talking 2010, right? When I was doing some stuff in a lab with a biophysicist, um, he had some really cool tools to be able to measure pressure, inhaling, lungs, et cetera, et cetera, because I know that my lung reserve volume is low because my liver is so big. My liver is massive. It shouldn't be as massive. You know, um, I have hepatomegaly and that's because of, you know, the illness I have and that like kind of pushes into my lungs. So it's really hard to have that reserve volume for me. And so I was just looking at it on mechanical interference. And then I thought, ooh, let me blow smoke. Let me blow vape, right? So the cigarettes were not really affecting the way the lung would function. But when I blew in the vape stuff, right, had it suck in from the vape, they overexpanded, which increases the likeliness of like exponentially creating the effect of emphysema. And this is why vaping is more dangerous than smoking because it causes a, an overexpansion of the lung. So if you're a smoker, you know the density of the smoke. Your lungs know the density of the smoke and um, they don't overexpand. But with vaping, your lungs overexpand to compensate. So I actually saw that in the laboratory. Now, I, you know, this isn't proven fact. I'm just telling you what I saw that one time when I was, um, you know, um, putting that through this is why when you smoke marijuana, you cough regardless, you could be a smoker for forever, but marijuana always makes you cough because the density is different and your lungs, um, can't register how to, um, expand for it because it has a different density just so people know. So, um, smoking weed, isn't going to overexpand your lungs and actually doesn't do any of that because it's so much thicker in density than regular tobacco smoke that, um, you know, it, 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 they can't expand that much. That's why you cough. And hence why if you actually inhale it and hold it, you're going to be breathing out smoke for like a minute or two, um, because it's denser. So it doesn't rise up as much. So I just thought I'd, um, share that with you. Um, because you know, this vaping disease happened to hit with Chinese vapes 
And remember, there's patents on creating COVID to be an aerosol, aerosol, talked about that, shared that information back in early 2020. So this is, you know, quite interesting, right? Super interesting. Now let's get back to CNN. I think I can, uh, is this working or not? This is totally not working for me. It's constantly saying, do you want to share the screen? So dumb. Is it on now? Let's see. Damn it. It's like now (laughs) cancel. Okay. Um, stop that. Stop sharing. Okay. Cancel. Okay. Hold on. It's like, there's a delay on this. Yeah. I'm going to try to get the video up. Um, so we can watch this because this is very interesting. What CNN is telling you, is it sharing it now? It's not. Of course not. Hate it when it does it. Okay, there we go. I got it. Here we go. All right, ready, guys? Now listen to what they're talking about, Wuhan Lab. Like we said, in order to talk about Wuhan, we have to talk about Wuhan first. They can't drive the conversation. We do. Of COVID. Joining me right now is David Culver, seen as David Culver in Shanghai with more on this intelligence report and what you can take from it, can't extrapolate, can't, what we do with it now. What are you learning, David? Well, it doesn't bring us right to the origin of this virus, which I know most folks are trying to figure out and would want to know, especially the WHO experts and really uh, scientists around the world. But here's what we can tell you from this report, Kate, is that it suggests that the researchers working at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and you gotta remember Wuhan is where the original outbreak of this virus was, were apparently so sick that they had to go to the hospital in November of 2019. Now that is a a significant amount of time, several weeks really before this outbreak really took hold and Chinese officials have been pushing back on this for more than a year now. They have suggested that it did not leak from a lab The original source was believed to have been the Huanan Seafood Market. Uh, That is uh, an area that was was shut down rather quickly in in January 1st of 2020 and scrubbed clean. But now this new intelligence is suggesting with uh, even more fingers pointing at the possibility that this originated in a lab and potentially leaked. Uh, the Chinese officials, though, are are adamant that this is not how this played out. And I'm, I'm, I want you to look at uh, one quote that was put in Global Times. You got to remember this is state-run media, and this is the director of the Wuhan National Biosafety Lab who was quoted. He says that he's read it re- regarding the report. Says it's a complete lie. Those claims are groundless. The lab has not been aware of the situation, and I don't even know where such information came from. Now, I want to show you some video of when we were most recently down in Wuhan. My team and I traveled down there for the one-year anniversary of the outbreak. And you'll notice this is a structure that is heavily fortified. It's it's rather secure. You can't get that close to it. We were able to drive past. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so listen, listen. He's making the argument that it's a very secure facility. Look, the Chinese have all these walls. Yeah, because viruses apparently don't go through walls. They don't go over walls, right? Uh, They don't go across a big distance that they only could drive around, right? Remember, COVID only comes out at night. You know, this is why you need to be in your house from 10 to 6. And if you're sitting at a restaurant eating, there's no COVID, right? But when you're standing, there is COVID. 
And when you're walking, there is COVID. Unless you're eating, it doesn't exist. This is just how dumb people are and the dumb things they say. So here they are saying, oh, look, there's like all this fortification. You can't get in. Look how far we had to drive around. Same shit they're going to talk about in Kansas. Look how far it is because the virus can't float up. <laughs> this is just how stupid they sound. Asked it, and that was really as close as we could get to it. And that's important because it's a biosafety lab. But Kate, it also is uh, suggestive of them not wanting us anywhere near it. David, thank you so much for reporting. Really appreciate it. Let me get more on this now. Uh, joining me now is Dr. Monica Gandhi. She's an infectious disease physician at the University of California, San Francisco. It's good to see you again, Dr. Gandhi. Good to see um, you too, David Culver has done some amazing reporting um, in Wuhan uh, and his team. There's a lot to be learned about that intelligence report and what you can and can't extrapolate from it. One thing we do know is it raises more questions. But I do want to ask you about just this moment that we are in here in the United States. New cases, hospitalizations, deaths down across the board. The former FDA commissioner, Scott Gottlieb, he said over the weekend that at some point in June, his belief is that we're going to probably approach one case per 100,000 per day. What does that mean for all of us? Well, it is amazing news. And it really came about, it started happening when we had reached a 40% first dose vaccination rate on April 14th. The cases started coming down and down and down. And now they've just, it's very clear that they're almost precipitously coming down since we reached that 40%. And now we're at 50% first dose of the entire U.S. population, 60% if you want to just focus it in on adults who are eligible for the vaccine. This is exactly what was seen in countries that went faster than we. You get past a certain inflection point and the cases start plummeting. And luckily, of course, so does severe disease. So it means a lot. It means that the summer is looking bright. Um, and it means that when we get to that 10,000, we're about 25,000 cases over the entire country. 10,000 was the metric that, um, uh, that Dr. Fauci had put in on April 16th that said, you know, the pandemic is in, at least in our country, essentially almost over. And that's where we're getting to. So it's very good news. Yeah. And Gottlieb also said that with the infections and vaccine rates that we're looking at now, that kids don't need to wear masks outside anymore. I think the science doesn't point that way, but that they still need to wear them in kind of crowded indoor school-like settings, if it will. You and I have talked about masks, masks many, many times. What do you think of, of that assessment? You know, um, I agree for right now in indoor settings. Absolutely, you're right. The outdoor settings, really, the summer camp is coming. The CDC's got to just please take away that summer camp guidance that indicates that children should be wearing masks outside. It's really quite difficult for doctors to contemplate kind of the heat implications of that. So hope that happens this week. In terms of inside, the way that the UK did it, and I think this is really clean, and we've talked about this before too, go to a certain metric and then lift masks for children inside. And that metric that they used, and they just lifted indoor masking for children on May 17th in their country, was about two to three hospitalizations over 100,000 people if you weren't counting cases, or you can do it by cases if there's good testing in your area. That sort of clean metric, right now kids should be wearing them inside in most places that aren't at that metric. But that clean metric will allow us to think about going back to normal 
school in the fall. I think we're going to absolutely be there. And there are elements of children needing to, especially young children with vowel formation and learning, that they don't need masks. And that's why the UK did this. I'm going to follow our friends and say, let's put a clean metric and tell the country when indoor masking can be relieved for children. Um, on school, on, on schools, can I just uh, let me just ask you on schools because New York, um, New York City's mayor just this morning said like he made kind of the announcement that come September, New York City public schools are going to be open five days a week with no remote option. Um, in your mind, I don't know, should this even be a question for the fall at this point? I don't think it should even be a question that we should have normal school in the fall. The mental health effects on children have been real about prolonged closures. The question that is only remaining for the fall beyond normal in-person learning is mass distancing and ventilation. And those three requirements are only if we don't have low cases in the setting of high immunity. Right now, the UK has normal, full-on, no masks, um, you know, no ventilation, there no distancing. That's what they're doing in their schools because they had such a high immunity rate and such a low case rate that they made that decision for their country on May 17th. I think we're going to be there by the fall in our country as well. There has also been a lot of talk over the weekend about what the CDC is calling uh, relatively few cases of the inflammation of the heart, this myocarditis being seen in young people who've been vaccinated. The CDC is looking into it. I want to play for you what the former acting CDC director, Dr. Richard Besser, said about it this morning. At this point, there's nothing to raise concern. This is telling me that the system is working. And we do know that COVID infection itself can be very serious. We've lost hundreds of hundreds of children. There have been thousands who've been hospitalized, thousands who've developed an inflammatory syndrome. One, one of the pieces of that can be myocarditis. And so what I would say is, from my perspective, the risk of, of COVID is so much greater than any theoretical risk from the vaccine. The risk from COVID that doesn't affect children and may affect children, but they just get sick, is more important than you having an inflammation of your heart tissue as a young adult. Stop. Stop. Like, who says that with a straight face and says that's okay? Her face, totally not impressed. She was so excited to be on. She's devastated that they don't have numbers to beef up. But there have new metrics here. Vaccine administered, fully vaccinated. You know, doctor, any concern um, about a negative side effect to this is, especially in kids, is going to scare is going to scare people. I mean, do you have concerns? I do. I actually have a 13-year-old and I've given him his one dose and I'm going to wait um, on the second dose until I just see what the ACIP says. The reason on this is, and I definitely think I'm going to give it to him in the future, this is the way to think about myocarditis in children that could be linked from vaccines. Let's investigate. These had already been shown in Israel. There's a couple of more reports that there's hinting coming out this week. ACIP is very careful. They're watching this very carefully. And we just want to make sure it's not linked to the vaccine because unlike in adults, uh, the disease of COVID itself is not as severe in children. Uh, it's more severe in adults. That's why a clot um, for Johnson & Johnson vaccine put a warning sign on the vaccine, but it was still rolled out. I doubt anything's going to change here, but possibly a warning. Just, I would say, let's give it 
seven days, because the ACIP has already committed to looking at this closely, to look at any cases of myocarditis linked to children with the vaccine, because it may mean you want to extend vaccine doses. You may want a longer time between vaccine doses. Children have a very vigorous immune response. So I, just like the ACIP, want to watch it this next couple of weeks. Wow. Is CNN eating crow or what? That there's damage to the children. They'll destroy your heart tissue. You get inflammation of your heart tissue. So she's like, well, I'm going to wait till I give my kid the other one. Just to make sure. Maybe just a little bit of myocarditis now. And then maybe a little bit later. <laughs> I mean, dead heart tissue. No biggie. No biggie. We'll just slap on a warning. Just like J&J did with the heart, with the blood clots and stuff. Are you kidding? These are kids. These are the children you carried in your belly for so many weeks. These are the children you raised and told them that you're going to protect them. And you've just given them something that's going to maim them for the rest of their life because you trusted the media and the government because you wanted your freedoms. Stop. It's disgusting. For me, it's disgusting. If you want to trust the government, trust them, then so do it. But why don't you just watch and wait? Why jump in and give your most prized possession, which is your child up, to the chopping block to be a statistic? Now, today I did want to get into Fauci's history, but I've already done that. Uh, in the past, I've talked about this. I told you about AIDS and HIV and vaccines and malaria over and over again. I've talked about graphene over and over again throughout the years. Now, yeah, Tori, but you didn't like spell it out. Because then you wouldn't be able to see it. It would be something completely new. There's so many people out there right now talking and telling you things. And you're like, well, you're coming out now giving me this nice, neat package of information. But I didn't see it. I'm seeing it because you're telling me. Well, all these years I've been showing you the clues so that you can see it yourself. Because you can't trust anyone. You shouldn't even trust me. But the fact is, three years I've been saying it slowly and slowly putting it out there slowly. Hey, you know, it was my friend that was able to mass create graphene in a red cup in their garage. These are the type of friends I have. I've tried to make it clear of what's coming, but you know, message was hijacked later, but it was important to think it anyway. It would be really sucky if the uh, Black Lives Matter people realize that this whole vaccine push was to take them out. They'd really get upset. So it's really important that we, you know, look at all the information and learn about it. You know, Ebola. Everyone wants magic medication. There is none. Okay. There is no magic medication. You are. These people are sick. And you are the cure. I don't know how else to put that. Because it's quite terrifying if you think about it. Of what's really happening. I wanted to skip over to this guy. The plane hijack. It's so interesting how they can't not report the news. But they are reporting it with a spin. Right? Here we go. Let's just finish up what she's saying of how it's okay if they get a little bit of myocarditis now and then they'll get a little bit later. 
itself is not as severe in children. Uh, it's more severe in adults. That's why a clot um, from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine put a warning sign on the vaccine, but it was still rolled out. I doubt anything's going to change here, but possibly a warning. Just, I would say, let's give it seven days because the ACIP is already committed to looking at this closely to look at any cases of myocarditis linked to children with the vaccine because it may mean you want to extend the vaccine doses. You want a longer time between vaccine doses. Children have a very vigorous immune response. So I just like the ACIP want to watch it this next couple of weeks. Good thing we have the ACIP and that the system is working. Good to see you, doctor. Thank yeah. you very much. Also at this hour, the international outrage is growing over what some describe as a state-sponsored hijacking in Belarus. A commercial jet, a Ryanair flight, was forced... Wait, before we go there, shoot. I want to share something else. Hopefully, hopefully, I can get it on there. Give me a second. Oh, shit. This is so annoying when they do this stuff. Let's see. Please let me be able to share this. This is really important. We talked about this, and now they're talking about it. Um, damn, this is so dumb. It's really not working with me. Come on. Let me refresh. I might disconnect for a second. Let's see. I wonder if I disconnected. All right, let me just put some music on so at least while I get this done, you guys can listen to some really nice music. And it'll be better. Let's take a listen. Dark harm, incest, thank you, a prince with princess. And he closed his accounts and lost all the interest. Fake broke, we gon' follow the banknote. And we know you all cheated by you. Music started circulating all of the planets in the deep state mad now they really can't stand it but it's funny and we still pray for you bandits the mothership landed pilot was right-handed but we was ready for it the normies is gone panic they want to judge based on race should be race blind judging gotta learn to take it case by case why they gotta hate you should ask for god's grace say it out loud so they all hear it in space just one drop is it on uh, iTunes. All right, so remember how I told you back in March that this was never about being sick or getting you better, but it was about changing you. And I've been telling you this for a while. A lot of other people have been jumping on it, saying their versions of it. But here's a study that was put out by ABC10, okay? Listen to this, okay? Listen to this very carefully. Claim a new study suggests the coronavirus doesn't just hijack our cells. In some cases, it can actually alter our DNA. Our ABC 10 News anchor Derek Stahl is going in depth on what it all means. It all started with patients like Chris Long. After he was hospitalized with COVID in March 2020, the virus just wouldn't go away. I kept developing pneumonia. So every three to four weeks, I would end up back in ICU, pumping me full of broad-spectrum antivax. He continued to test positive for the virus again and again and again from March through December, nine months. And this was very puzzling to us. And that's why we thought, could it be 
that the virus gets integrated into the genome. MIT professor Rudolf Janisch and his colleagues ran some complicated experiments, and they found that in test tubes, our cells can accidentally convert fragments of the coronavirus's RNA into DNA and can save that genetic code to the infected cell. Accidentally. <laughs> Stop. Cells hard drive, the chromosomes. This is the kind of thing HIV. HIV does intentionally, but it's not what scientists would expect from this type of virus. Will this be with me for the rest of my life, or will this well, die out? It really depends how long the cell survives. So most cells die after infection. So those would not very long live and present. But then there might be cells, and we are looking at this, there might be cells, maybe not in the lung, but other organs, where the cells don't die and they could persist for a long time. The researchers have found indirect evidence of this in a small number of tissues taken from patients, and their study caused a huge stir in the scientific community and a lot of questions. Could these DNA changes explain certain long hauler symptoms or autoimmune disease? Could these changes increase the risk of cancer? It sounds scary and maybe it is scary, but I think it's my, uh, it's probably just a big nothing burger. <laughs> UC San Diego virologist Dr. Davy Smith says, hold on, we still don't have direct evidence of this happening in people. And even if it is, there's a good chance it's not a big deal. If this is true, then other RNA viruses do this all the time. So every time that I catch an RNA virus that's a cold or another coronavirus, a regular one that normally is running around, then this process is happening already. He Wrong. See, this is what's bad. And this guy is put on there. He's a freaking expert. Well, I remembered from my immunology 604 class that, you know, when we get viruses and they have RNA, their RNA, all, let's put it this way. What an idiot. All viruses are RNA. They do not have DNA. All viruses have RNA. I repeat, none of them have DNA. None of them. They have a capsid, you know, head and it only has RNA and they inject the RNA into your cell to replicate. So basically what a virus does is it sits in your cell, injects, I just wanna make it like so that you see it, injects the RNA to tell your cell to make more of those viruses until there's so many in there that it explodes and then all of them go out and infect other cells. That's how a virus works. I'm giving you the visual, okay? Any of you been ice fishing? Okay. So picture a person with an agar drilling into your cell, right? Dumping in RNA, which is the genetic material of all viruses. So that idiot from let's rewind and see where he was at. This is so stupid. Such misinformation. Who's this clown again? Let's listen. Who is this idiot again? Good chance it's not a big deal. If this is true, then other RNA viruses do this all the time. You so every time see that I San Diego virologist. Burn your degree, dude. You got that shit in a cracker box. There's no way he's sitting there telling tons of people that, you know, oh, it doesn't mean, 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 mean all viruses have RNA. Okay. Period. And when they come into your body, your body then learns to get rid of that crap because it's not reprogramming or hijacking your material to introduce it as a friendly. So this guy is talking out the side of his mouth, burn his degree. Oh my gosh. And he's educating people. It's an RNA virus that's another coronavirus, a regular one that normally is running around. Then this process is happening already. He points out about 10% of our entire human genome is made up of the code from ancient viruses. 
passed down through the generations. So there's precedent for this. Professor Yanish agrees. This coronavirus probably isn't unique. We're just studying it more closely than any other virus. One thing is for certain. His study is prompting a whole lot more research. Derek Stahl. ABC 10 News. Some people in the anti-vax community have seized on this MIT study as evidence that mRNA vaccines could also alter our DNA. Yes, they can. Professor Janich says his study in no way implies that he himself got an mRNA vaccine. Oh, so because he got the vaccine, his study says that it doesn't. Stop. Stop. And these are the people educating future virologists. Oh, my gosh. My God, you guys can watch Khan Academy and look up viruses and it makes sense to you. This clown is charging a shit intuition to teach everybody wrong. Let me tell you why I can hijack. I've already told you. I've been trained in scant where it's to strip cells and then insert DNA. I've been trained to do, I know how to do it with my little pipette, everything. I can recreate life using another cell. I know how to do it with my own hands. Okay. The one problem that it is, and this is why Dr. Zavos, who was a pioneer in human cloning, got trashed, was because instead of using human cells and stripping them and adding DNA, he wanted to test it and cease it and arrest it into the initial phases by using bovine, which meant that he was making hybrid cows and humans. Bill, why? Well, he stripped the cell. Yeah, but there's a remnant of the DNA. And if you actually look at the vaccine, it's got monkey, it's got cow proteins. It's got monkey DNA. It's all writing things. Do you remember the election machine? How I told you that inside is encryption decryption. I want you to think of your DNA as encrypted information that gets decrypted by proteins via the mRNA, the, the RNA transcription. Uh, you know, we went through that whole thing, the transcription RNA uh, to the M messenger RNA, all of that, right? So I want you to envision that as encryption decryption, right? Your, your DNA in there is encrypted. Proteins come, they unzip it, and they decrypt it. Well, what happens is when you're hijacking the system of decryption, you're creating a uh, instruction of this decryption, kind of like how they alter the votes. You get in there, hijack it. You're really decrypting, but you're decrypting with instructions. That's what a frog is. So this is what it is. It's a cipher code within the vaccine to be able to hijack and create this instructive decryption. You're decrypting the information that they've inserted with instructions. This is what's important. This is why people are having such bad side effects. This is why they need more. And this is what the frick HIV does. It was decrypting and re-encrypting and then decrypting it to be able to mark every one of your cells as an enemy, creating immunocompromised individuals, period. Damn. And the thing is, titles and tiaras, right? This is the stuff they put out. Titles and freaking tiaras. When you can go to Khan Academy and go to school and learn about it in basic Khan Academy videos of how viruses work, we're all relying on some doctor with a white coat to tell us. There's a few honorable ones in there. 
<sighs> it's a few honorable ones, but you know, I just happened to be accidentally sitting next to the guy investigating malaria and HIV side by side because you know, coincidence, of course, of course, coincidence that I went back to school so that I can sit with that guy next to him six months during the seminar. Coincidence. Of course, when people talk smack, it's like, I want to roll up my student. <laughs> Thing. If there's no picture, it didn't happen. Well, people like me don't keep pictures because that's evidence. Damn. Damn. And even AIDS is curable. They're just not curing it because they don't want to. Okay. That's the way it is. Stop. Now, we went into the whole HIV thing and what Fauci did. And that's what's crazy is that we trust him. We're going to have gain of function in the middle of Kansas so they can gain a function, get us sick from our animals. I, you know, a lot of people, how many times have I said, Hey, I was in DC and I wanted to drink water, but there was a bottled water shortage. Uh, those that met with me, uh, in, you know, North Dakota, I told them don't drink the tap water. Just don't drink it because I happened to be on the plane where there were people sitting behind me. You'll be so impressed to see just how they talk a lot when they're out at conferences. I actually took a picture of that one. But they were talking about how the CDC is going to come out and tell people something about the water. And so what was weird was they were like, oh, great, with Fauci in the front, we're all going to look like idiots. Don't drink water. Then we tell them to drink it. Then they all get sick. And it's like, don't drink it. Just boil it. But the boiling's not going to help. This is the conversation that was happening be behind me. And I was sharing ear <laughs> earphones with Phoebe to watch a Chinese telenovela on the plane. So as we were sitting there, um, cause we got to sit in the front first class, super easy upgrade, 20 bucks. Right. So right behind us, we're sitting these dudes and chicks and they were like, Oh my gosh, we're all on the same flight. They were all headed to California. Right. <laughs> so it was super coincidence that we decided to get the upgrade and sat there. So I'm listening to a telenovela with, uh, you know, with Phoebe and I pull it off and I'm like leaning my good ear. Cause I have only one good ear and I'm like listening. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, shut up. <laughs> like, Stop. She was like, she was upset because I was covering in, you know, and I was trying to pretend to be discreet. Have you ever seen the one where someone's trying to eavesdrop, but you could tell that they're eavesdropping. If you're looking at them from the front, from, from behind, <clears throat> it just looked like, you know, <laughs> just like super stretching into her chair. So I was listening to them and that's what they said. They were like, we look like idiots. We're going to tell people now trust us. Like this is, we have to find a better strategy. This was the PR team for the CDC, just so you know. So, um, that was really interesting how they were talking about it. <laughs> great, great. And the deaf person gets to sit there, right? Damn. And it's like, you can't ask a 15 year old to, to listen and, and understand. <laughs> you can't. So it's like, I was, you know, all the chairs, they have like this armrest. So I was literally like in there and my head was in the gap to the point that it created an indentation on my cheek. Cause I was <laughs> trying to listen, but make it look like I was laying down. So, you know, when you would see me from the front, <laughs> It looked really weird. I was kind of like sideways leaning, but I heard it all. And that was important. And 
And then Phoebe understood why I didn't want to social distance while I was waiting to board because I was listening to them and looking at their bags to see where they were going. Some of them, most of them were executive platinum members of American Airlines. <laughs> Just saying. So this is why I've been saying watch the water. And, you know, when people say, oh, I want to live in Arizona, I'm like, no, you don't because they recycle the water. And that's really important too. And then you have to test your bottled water and make sure that the batch you have is actually real. So you should get pH strips and check that if you're getting alkaline water, that is really alkaline because then if it's an alkaline water, number one, alkaline water does not allow um, uh, certain uh, biological structures like uh, viruses to be able to survive. So that's really important for you guys to look at. So um, that's really important for you guys to look at. Um, uh, you know, some people that have well water, make sure nobody treats it for you. And if you're treating it, do it yourself. Um, the higher the pH, right, uh, the better. Um, if it's uh, within the pH of uh, 6.3 to 8.1, uh, it's uh, ideal for bacteria and, and viruses fester. And then acidic water, you know, who wants to drink acid? <laughs> Nobody wants to drink acid. It's crap. Okay, so to end today's show, I want to talk about this airplane that was hijacked to arrest a journalist, okay? I want you guys to listen to this report really, really carefully. We're going to revisit that later. But a plane was hijacked to arrest a journalist. And I'm air quoting here, okay? I'm totally air quoting right now. Um, arrest a journalist. So this came from CNN who reported, obviously they're putting their spin, but we're going to talk about this. Here we go. Forced to land after a fighter jet was dispatched to escort the plane. It's working. Good to see you, Here Dr. We Thank go. you very much. Also at this hour, the international outrage is growing over what some describe as a state-sponsored hijacking in Belarus. A commercial jet. A Ryanair flight was forced to land after a fighter jet was dispatched to escort the plane to Belarus's capital. The reason, well, at first the flight crew was told it was because of a possible security threat, but it's since become clear it was something else entirely. When a journalist and critic of the president of Belarus was taken off and arrested. Joining me now with more detail on this is CNN's Fred Pike. And Fred, what more are you learning about this? Hi there, Kate. Well, it, it certainly is something that I think Europe hasn't seen in a very long time, if ever at all. All this actually happened pretty late yesterday, and this jet was traveling from Athens in Greece and then was supposed to fly onto Lithuania. But while it was in Belarusian airspace, actually shortly before it was supposed to leave Belarusian airspace, the Belarusian authorities told the uh, crew of the plane to divert to... Okay, listen carefully. The plane left Greece and it was going to Lithuania. So they were over the airspace of Belarus when the fighter jet came out. So basically, if you're flying and you're flying over a country and they want you, they can ground a commercial aircraft. Pay attention to what they're not pointing out. That should scare the shit out of you. So it left Greece going to Lithuania. Minsk, which is, of course, the capital of Belarus, 
and to land there. They claimed that there was some sort of bomb threat on board. The plane that made a sharp right turn and started descending there. Now, this uh, journalist and activist, Roman Protasevich, he pleaded with the crew not to do this, not to land there. But they said, according to their security protocols, that's what they had to do. And then sure enough, the authorities then uh, took everybody off the plane and took him into custody. And, you know, we've spoken to some other opposition uh, activists uh, from Belarus, and they say they're highly concerned that he could be tortured uh, in Belarusian custody. He's also on a terrorism list from the Lukashenko regime, which means that he could even face the death penalty down there as well. Now, the Belarusian Wait a minute. Did they say Lukashenko regime? Oh, guys, this just gets better every single day. I mean, that's a taste of winning, and you're going to be like, what? That little tidbit he just said, which his face looks so disappointed right now saying it, is winning. But what should terrify you is that commercial airlines can stop a plane in midair and turn the plane around to stop midair. So if, say, for example, you wanted to go somewhere, say you did some stuff in France, but you left the U.S. and it was direct flight to, I don't know, Germany, the French fighter jets can ground the plane while it's flying over France. That should tell you everything you need to know. Oh, dear. Someone's going to be in trouble. I'm just saying. But let's see what else he had to say. I'm just going to rewind that part because that was a good part. Here we go. Capital of Belarus and to land there. They claimed that there was some sort of bomb threat on board. The plane that made a sharp right turn and sort of descending there. Now, this uh, journalist and activist, Roman Protasevich, he pleaded with the crew not to do this, not to land there. But they said, according to the security protocols, that's what they had to do. And then sure enough, the authorities then uh, took everybody off the plane and took him into custody. And, and you know, we've spoken to some other opposition uh, activists uh, from Belarus, and they say they're highly concerned that he could be tortured uh, in Belarusian custody. He's also on a terrorism list from the Lukashenko regime, which means that he could even face the death penalty down there as well. Now, the Belarusian authorities claim that they did everything according to international protocol. U.S. and its allies certainly aren't buying that. I want to read you Secretary of State Blinken had to say about it. He said, yeah, he's probably so pissed, so pissed, so pissed. But listen, you made the rules that they could stop planes midair and escort them. Don't complain, Biden. Don't complain, Kamala. Don't complain, Merkel. Don't complain, Crown. Here we go. Nothing can stop what's coming. Quote, the United States strongly condemns the forced diversion of a flight between two EU member states and the subsequent removal and arrest of journalist Roman Pratasievich in Minsk. We demand his immediate release. The shocking act perpetrated by the Lukashenko regime endangered the lives of more than 120 passengers, including U.S. citizens who were also on board. EU is going to meet in a couple of hours, Kate, to decide whether or not there's going to be sanctions or other measures. Oh. Well, I mean, we have our Coast Guard in Ukraine. I mean, <laughs> right? That's a big coast. Puddle Pirates are far away from home right now. But see, this is it. They made the rules that that could happen, and now they're upset that they were stopped midair. It wasn't even going for Belarus. It was flying over it. 
<laughs> so now flights are going to be rerouted from now on. You know, flights, international flights can be like, yep, let's get as much water and go over friendly nations that will not stop. Oh, so I guess, I guess air is not even safe for them anymore. So they made that, which is terrifying. I'm pointing it out that they could do that. And now they're upset. Why? Who is this nice journalist? Well, let's just listen to that clip once more, just a little bit, so you can let that sink in. Supposed to leave Belarusian airspace. The Belarusian authorities told the uh, crew of the plane to divert to Minsk, which is, of course, the capital of Belarus, and to land there. They claimed that there was some sort of bomb threat on board. The plane that made a... Which means that Greece wouldn't hand them over to whoever wanted them, right? And they knew Lithuania wouldn't be on board. Ergo, stop it midair. Sharp right turn and sort of descending there. Now this uh, journalist and activist, Roman Protasevich, he pleaded with the crew not to do this, not to land there. But they said, according to their security protocols, that's what they had to do. And then sure enough, the authorities then uh, took everybody off the plane and took. So he pleaded with the crew, don't land in Belarus, please, he said. So imagine Tori, the journalist on a plane going somewhere and saying, please don't, but we have security protocols. So the crew and the pilot would listen to me and not do what they're told. Sounds like this guy has a little bit more flex than just being a journalist. Sounds like a protected person of interest. Mm, PPI. Oh no, we went too far. Here we go. Just listen to that portion again. You have to listen to things a few times. Hi there, Kate. Well, it, it certainly is something that I think Europe hasn't seen in a very long time, if ever at all. All this actually uh, happened pretty late yesterday, and this jet was traveling from Athens in Greece and then was supposed to fly out to Lithuania. But while it was in Belarusian airspace, actually shortly before it was supposed to leave Belarusian airspace, the Belarusian authorities told the uh, crew of the plane to divert to Minsk, which is, of course, the capital of Belarus, and to land there. They claimed that there was some sort of bomb threat on board, the plane that made a sharp right turn and sort of descending there. Now, this uh, journalist and activist, Roman Protasevich, he pleaded with the crew not to do this, not to land there. But they said, according to their security protocols, that's what they had to do. And then sure enough, the authorities then uh, took everybody off the plane and took him into custody. And, you know, we've spoken to some other opposition uh, activists uh, from Belarus, and they say they're highly concerned that he could be tortured uh, in Belarusian custody. He's also on a terrorism list from the Lukashenko regime, which means that he could even face the death penalty down there as well. Now, the Belarusian authorities claim that they did everything according to international protocol. The U.S. and its allies certainly aren't buying that. I want to read you Secretary of State Blinken had to say about this. He said, quote, the United States strongly condemns the forced diversion of a flight between two EU member Roman states and Pratasevich. a subsequent removal and arrest of journalist Roman Pratasevich in Minsk. We demand his immediate release. The shocking act perpetrated by the Lukashenko regime endangered the lives of more than 120 passengers, including U.S. citizens who were also on board. Didn't endanger we shit. Wait in a couple of hours, Kate, to decide whether or not there's going to be sanctions or other measures against Belarus. Fred, thank you so much for that. Coming up for us, a wave of mass shootings gripping the nation. At least a dozen in just the last 72 hours. Plus, 
I mean, I hope they don't add Chicago into this. Let me see. Are these ads? Are we going straight into it? Let's just skip over the ads because you just should see the riots. We should end it with that. But I thought I'd give you a little bit of, hey, that's what's happening right now because there's a lot happening that you're not seeing. So we talked about Belarus. But, oh, look at all the <laughs> their mass shootings. What does mass mean? Two, two, three. What does mass shooting mean? Well, let's take a listen and see what they can say. Mass shooting across the weekend. Let's see. So we've got Fairfield Township, New Jersey, North Charleston, South Carolina, Illinois, New York, Texas, Illinois, New York, Montana, uh, Missouri, sorry, Texas, Minnesota, Missouri, Kansas, Delaware. Ooh, that's interesting. Louisiana. Columbus, Ohio. Damn, guys. Okay, have you ever seen that article that I put about CNN doesn't know geography? Like who the f <laughs> who spelled Columbus with an I? <laughs> Stop. C O L U M B I S. Like I'm telling you, CNN is run by illiterate idiots. Remember, I have an article called CNN can't do geography or something. Um, <laughs> that was funny, but they're complete idiots. Uh, Kentucky, North Carolina, New York, Ohio, Toledo, Ohio. Let's see, Florida. We have um, Mississippi, New Jersey, a lot in Kentucky. Hmm, what's going on in Kentucky? I mean, we do have the fruities down in Lexington, Kentucky. Shh, crap, ton of them. North Carolina, South Carolina. I mean, you guys are from all these states. Did you hear of mass shootings? Cleveland, Ohio. Shit. From here, I didn't hear about a mass shooting unless mass means one person with another, so that's quite interesting. Um, sorry, I still can't get over the Columbus being spelled B I S. Like, come on, seriously, did you guys see it? Let me show you. Let me go to the you know and point it out Columbus, Ohio, and maybe they outsource this. This in violence arc. Okay, so dildo waivers are writing this. They don't really go to school because they get degrees in something like gender studies, so they can't spell. Next. And spelling bees are racist and uh, very biased because only smart people can win those. In the United States, there were shooting incidents in nearly 150 cities this weekend. The group says at least 7,500 people have died from gun violence since just the start of the year. That's more, that's that's more than 20% higher than what it was this time last year. CNN's Polo Sandoval has more on this weekend's deadly violence. A deadly spike in gun violence putting communities across the United States on edge this morning. Two people were shot during an attempted robbery at a New York City subway station. We're getting over COVID. It looks like the madness is coming back. And in New Jersey, police... Okay, so it is two people. So two people during a robbery were shot. Okay. So that's a mass shooting, okay? Police are investigating an incident at a house party that left two dead and 12 others wounded late Saturday night. Police also discovered three people shot in an area condominium. And in Youngstown, Ohio, three people are dead and at least eight others injured after a shooting outside a bar. It breaks my heart to hear uh, when we have young men and women um, who die at a, at a young age. Gun grab. So much potential ahead Tito. of them. A 14-year-old girl was killed and 14 others shot attending what police are calling an unauthorized concert in North Charleston, South Carolina. And it's a sad day that we have to be here today to talk about another death 
of another young person. Two men were shot and killed and eight others injured in downtown Minneapolis early Saturday morning. One of the victims died the same day he was scheduled to graduate from college. According to the Gun Violence Archive, over 7,500 people have Man, died from that's gun not violence fair. in the See, United States this year. That's not fair. They're adding, they're adding Chicago in there. See, now they're worried about Chicago. Why don't they just show that the majority of these, right, 99% of them are Chicago? But okay. That's including at least 471 teenagers and 120 children. He said, Mommy, my, my tummy hurts. So she went and she picked him up and he was bleeding on her. Aiden Leos was fatally shot in an apparent road rage incident in Orange County, California, and his mother was driving him to kindergarten Friday morning. The six-year-old's family is seeking justice and asking the public for any information. Please help us find the people that did this to my little brother. <laughs> He's only six and he was so sweet. The Minneapolis city leaders are offering a... Well, if it's an illegal migrant, I'm sorry to say there's going to be no justice because they have a pass on murder. $30,000 reward to find who's responsible for three recent shootings that left one child dead and two others critically injured. The community has been exceedingly clear. We need to bring the perpetrators to justice. No, you're not the because they're Somalis. Anaya Allen was shot in the head while riding in the car with her mother last week. She later died at the hospital. Not only do we want justice for our babies, we don't want these people out here to shoot somebody else's babies. It'll be another press conference because another family will be standing up here with us. Well, then stop getting involved with people that gangbang. I'm sorry. I don't feel bad. You're hanging out with gangbangers and they're shooting up the place. That's your thing. Don't hang out with gangbangers. Don't hang out with them. Or maybe the mom should have been packing because that's her constitutional right. That wouldn't have happened. But I digress. See, this is all part of a really warm June. They're going to riot. They're going to make things happen no matter what. <sighs> okay, this thing is really annoying me, but I'm going to try to get this video up because I want to show you what they're planning for the people gathering. I need to show you the video that was removed from Facebook. Uh, I mean, from YouTube. So I'm gonna try to do this, but this thing is just not working with me. So we're just gonna listen to some music while I try this again. And let's go with this while I reset, okay? I got a five-five today, it made sense. We couldn't figure out what happened to Mike Pence. Money gets washed and then it gets rents. We the news now, so here's my two cents. Jackson showed me that moves could be made. And Wims told trolls, stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Psyops made sure OG got paid. Now we got lawyers fighting our rage. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was jamming to that. All right. So that's Dion's music. So let me show you the band video. So I guess those of you on YouTube, I'm going to have to disconnect quickly because I don't want to get my stuff banned. So here we go. Come to Twitch. It's the only way you're going to see it. Okay. You ready, guys? This is what 
they didn't want you to see. I'm Nancy Bolio, and I'm the Northern Organizer for Minnesota 315, a co-founder of Rise Coalition. I am otherwise my English colonized name is Tanya Abid. My name is Tara Hauska, I'm Bear Clan from Kuchiching First Nation. My name is Everlasting Wind. I live here in White Earth and I'm a member of the Wolf Clan, Maingan. Anin, it's Winona Laduke, and we're going to invite you to the Treaty People Gathering. Taking place June 5th through the 8th. In 1854 and 1855, our people signed a treaty. And in those treaties, we we retained our inherent rights to hunt, fish, and gather. Climate change affects our treaty guarantee because that puts our Anishinaabe lifeways at risk. I am encouraging non-Native allies to come and check out what it means to be treaty people and to uphold your side of the treaty also. One out of three Indigenous women are, go raped, go missing, or end up murdered. And when infrastructure such as KXL Line 3, Line 4, and Line 5 are built. There's a 22% increase to those statistics that we as Indigenous women are already facing. Okay, I wanted to pause that before I put that. So the one thing that I had with the Attorney General of North Dakota was that they were bringing in women to these um, oil fields from other nations, young, young people, through a State Department-funded program called uh, work uh, now they're called united work and united work and something and travel united work and travel they used to be called aei american pool enterprises api um they used to bring people in to work as pool boys and pool girls and in north dakota it's like you have 10 pools like why are you bringing all these people right it's like you don't even have summer you've got road work season and winter that's it you have there dead serious so they're talking about the indigenous women, which is why one of my witnesses was shot by a cop in Devil's Lake, because he was telling me how they move the women, how they move them from the reservations down to Mandan, housed at the hotels, and then shipped out through Nevada, out to Mexico through the border. This is how they move the Native American children and women, how they borrow Native American children from the parents that need the drugs. He got shot in the head by a cop. His name was Daniel Fuller, Danny Fuller. Look it up. He still hasn't had justice. The FBI hasn't closed the investigation. They're still looking into it. But all of the North Dakota police, the BCI and the attorney general said the cop acted correctly. I don't see how you could put a gun in the back of someone's head, point blank, touching the back of his head while he's unarmed and incapacitated because drunk and you shoot him. And that was in the line of duty. That's bull crap. So they're complaining about all these pipelines and then all these oil riggers coming in and women going missing. Well, you need to talk to your chiefs because the deals have been made with the higher ups and people hate to be told the truth. They can't stand to be told the truth. That's why Ruth Ann Buffalo is a, Ooh, and they put her up there. First Native American woman this. She's selling you out. 
She is selling each and one of you out. You don't like to hear it. That's fact. That's truth. And what you need to do for all of you that do care about your tribe, your people, and your rights is to expel these people from any conversations. Ask your chiefs while, why they signed UN treaties, handing over your reservations as global property. That's what you need to ask, but they won't. These people making the videos won't. They're getting paid to rally up and they're going to bring in our Native Americans. Again, we should all be, you know, harassed every Thanksgiving because we're, you know, eating and celebrating Native casualties. We're not. And Tom McDonald actually said that in a lyric. And I was like, damn, I can't even use that because that's what you said now. Now I have to reference him because he did put it on the record, right? So this is how it's done. They're going to target everything from energy to food, using climate change as a proponent so that they can shame you for your nation built on blood. Point to me to one country right now with the borders they have that was not built on blood. Every war, every single war on the planet has changed borders, has eradicated old and bringing in the new. Nobody likes to hear it, but that's the way it is. They eradicate bordered and it's all done with war and blood. So please stop playing the tiny violin. It's over. The one thing that I don't like is the fact that their languages are going bust. They're not given the appropriate, I would say, environment to develop and maintain their culture. Their reservation is nothing but a prison for their culture. They should be out in society with us, spreading their culture and their language, not sequestered on property. That's the way it should be, but whatever. I digress. That's my opinion. Problem is, is that they're pointing out something that the AG got pissed off because he allowed those operations to be conducted within the state of North Dakota. He allowed it. I called him out for it. You allowed these operations where they were housing Russian, Chinese, Taiwanese, Thai, you know, you name it, Burmese, Russian, Lithuanian, Hispanic women hold up in hotels outside in Dickinson and all these oil man camps where they were put in rooms sleeping one on top of the other. We've talked about this before. We've got the emails. They're on FOIAs. All you have to look at is APEI, American Pool Enterprises Incorporated. Go to the FOIA page, Google that shit. There's a ton of emails where people are complaining that they're being forced to have sexual relations with people and they're housing them up and the state let it happen. In Minot, North Dakota, there was a woman who owned the Sevens something hotel. Her name was Wendy and <clears throat> she was getting paid by APEI while she had her hotel where she was housing all these people supposedly, supposedly there to work, you know, in the United States to get whatever. Stop. Stop. You want to complain about your native American women being bushed up? Then let's talk about the Mandan massacre and the police officers that are in Mandan right now. They used to be up at birth hall, you know, right by your reservations doing stuff. That's where you get the real conversation. This is bullshit and fruity.
And this is all to rally up people to guilt them into you're destroying our land. Dude, you're destroying them yourself. You're signing these contracts. You're giving your rights away. Nobody likes to hear it. Truth is disgusting. Nobody likes the truth. It's very uncomfortable, but we've got to have difficult conversations in order to get it right. Or end up murdered. And when infrastructure such as KXL, line three, line four, and line five are built, there's a 22% increase to those statistics that we as indigenous women are already facing. Here, you're not just being asked to come as a, as a, kind of like eco-tourists, right? You're being asked to come and stand with the earth and to come and stand with us and to stand up for someone who's not yet here. Our ancestors made agreements to take care of this water and land forever together. And now is our time to do that. Together we will rise, protect, and stop line three and protect all that is sacred. Miigwech. We look forward to seeing all of you on the front line. So look, their cause is just, and it's, it's based on core values they have. I get it, but their cause is hijacked. It's hijacked by people that want to hijack it by people that don't have their best interest in mind by people who just want to control them. They'll be the first to take out. You think that's a joke? That's what they do, demagogues. They create nothing out of something. Oh, yeah, you're right. We did all this to you because they're angry. Any nation would be angry. Any tribe would be angry. Look at the Kurds. That shit's been going on for thousands of years. You're right. This is your culture, your land, your land that you were supposed to be protecting. And you feel that. But you're doing it wrong, man. You're giving all your sovereignty rights to people that don't care about what you think is important. And that's what sucks. I'm all for it. I want our Native Americans. We, you know what? North Dakota has so many Native American tribes. I don't even understand why they don't teach the language as a second language in the school. They've got tons of Native Americans that could do it. That would be so badass, right? I love going to powwows. That's so awesome to just understand their culture and hang out with them and eat their nice fried bread, right? It's so incredible. But they're all in this secluded area that nobody can get on. And what the government does is it, they give them checks because they're part of that secluded area and keep them in. Why do you think they house them into little pieces of land? It's a little piece of land. They'll take it out. You don't need to be housed up in a little piece of land. You can own that land but you could live out in the community and share your culture and become part of the nation that was created based on your bones, on your stuff. That's what happens around the world. Nobody likes to talk about it. What happened to Upper Volta? It's now Burkina Faso, part of Ghana, part of this, part of that. That's what happens. You can't go to, to you know, far into, you know, hundreds of years ago and complain about it today. It's over. It's done. Back then they didn't have, you know, electricity. They didn't, it's a new world, right? That's what it was, a new world. Look at all the borders that have changed. You're not different. You feel like you're different. Say that to all the other nations around the world that thousands of years ago not only lost their land, they lost all their people. It's called genocide. And what they've done is set themselves up for freaking genocide. 
the way that they've secluded themselves, they're useful to them now. They will take them out. Not now. 2025-ish, I guess. Because, well, we'll leave it at that. On that note, guys, we'll raid on Twitch. Um, I can't wait to see you guys tomorrow. We'll have more. I, it was an extended tour, he says, by half an hour. I've got a ton to do because next Tuesday, well, no, I'll do a show on Tuesday, but I won't do one on Wednesday, uh, the 3rd, because I'll be traveling. Busy little being, busy, busy being. But you'll know where I'm going. Most of you already know. So on that note, so many lies, so many lies. Why not add the space lies? Finally God bless. Tonight, she's out of this world. The current commander of the International Space Station about to break a big record tonight. Here's ABC's Gio Benitez. If I could turn the page and time that I'd rearrange just to fail to. Close my, close my, close my eyes Then I couldn't find a way So I settled for one day to believe in you Tell me, tell me, tell me lies